and welcome to the Bitcoin Bros podcast featuring two Bitcoin brothers who are going to chat Bitcoin, life and everything in between. I'm the big bro Gaz and I know everything. I'm the little bro Tom who doesn't know everything but what I do know this is not financial advice. However, buy Bitcoin or have fun staying poor. Welcome to season two, episode two of the Bitcoin Bros. So we made it, Gaz. We got to the second one. I thought we went for a bit of a hiatus straight away. And just for the those um, regular viewers out there, what happened was, I can't remember what he said. Can we leave the pod tonight, please? I have to do my fields. And that, that just sounds too big time. And on, on that note about having fields, why he had to, he looked at the weather forecast. The, the wandering spirit had checked the forecast for tomorrow a couple of weeks ago and it was raining so he said i have to do my garden i'm <laughs> my garden which is like twenty thousand acres and anyway this has been a new addition so we've obviously there's a lot of life changing in gaz his life and uh yeah what's your latest you've got four new additions in your house well, i nearly had to delay today's pod because really i should be getting the chickens in about now <laughs> it's their bedtime the chicken's bedtime <laughs> It literally is, uh, and at the moment, we literally only had them two days, so they're really nervous for the first two days, and so they they don't really move very much, and unless you're trying to put them to bed, and there's a fox that wanders by most evenings, so they will get napped because as much as I've I think I fox proofed this run, it it isn't. A fox wants to get in, he's going to get in. So you have to put them in the coop, locked away. So, oh, so you actually have to lock him up into that into the coop that you handmade put together, which I still think that Fox gets into the fence. I think Fox gets into coop and probably eats well, scrambled egg as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love some eggs, but the, the damn things are too young at the moment. Not even giving me eggs. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the coop's got a top bit. So the top bit is all wooden and it's it's very soft. Ah, okay. So, oh, so, the, they're uh, so, the, in there. so the bits on the... Oh, so you have to get them into that. And there's like a little run up the middle bit, isn't there? So yeah, because they're young, they haven't learned how to use the run-up. And so after a couple of weeks, apparently, they'll put themselves to bed. You know, chickens, they sense danger. Once it gets dark, they, they go to bed. So all you've got to do is go out and then pull the drawbridge up. So if any fox got in, it can't get into the actual chicken coop. It will be in the run and potentially could give them a heart attack. If it's, um, scra- if it's scrabbling about and snarling on the outside, they could die of heart attack on the inside. You won't get any. They'll, they are safely locked up. So you, all you got to do is each evening go in, pull the drawbridge up, and, and and they're good. But at the moment, you have to go out and chase four chickens around a fucking chicken pen. <laughs> they all run away from you. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, Dumb and Dumber does Rocky Balboa training camp. That's what I'm picturing. That's you and Vic running yeah. around, trying to catch these little tiny chickens, and they're like, who the hell are you? Going for your leg and you're falling over. Well, well, last night you can tell I'm not a chicken cube, um, chicken owner for very long because I was out there in flip flops last night, <laughs> and the chicken one has nettles throughout it. They've all been slammed down, but they're all coming back, and I'm hoping the uh, chicken will just knock them all down. But there's still nettles a couple of inches long throughout the whole run. I'm running around after these chickens, stinging them feet. <laughs> I'm too scared to grab the chicken to like hurt it, and oh, it's just <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. Um, it takes about 15, 20 minutes to round Have them you, up. Does the chicken coop feature on the CCTV? No. You see, oh, well, so you can't see yourself doing it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Especially first couple of days when you're probably novices at it. Yeah, I can't wait until one gets out and you're chasing it around your fields. Oh, yeah. If one got out, it really would be a bit of a nightmare. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're just scared at the moment. They haven't, they, they've been kept inside. And they've been really like hand reared and looked after um, by this really nice farm that kind of sells them. But they've always been inside. They're always very used to certain surroundings. And now they're outside, lots of different smells, noises. We're obviously new, a new coop to sleep in. They're not used to anything. So it, apparently it takes two weeks for them to settle. But then hopefully they'll just be walking about as normal. And you can just trick them then. You can trick them with food, throw a bit of food in the coop, shut it up. They'll walk upstairs to bed and then you, you shut the thing. It should just be a five minute job. The moment it's a half an hour completely. There's, there's a couple of things I find hilarious as well. There's like the sustainability farmer you are, which like if it's the day they stop laying eggs, it's the day they're like my chicken breast. <laughs> and then already you're mothering them. And I even made a silly joke today 
about um, being inappropriate to a chicken and you got defensive, so it looks like you're already caring for them. So, <laughs> <laughs> gone are the days when you would have chumped my with a better meme or something, but you didn't. You yeah. don't approve of Philip Schofield and your chickens. I know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, I, I probably won't eat them because really, when you when you work out how much a chicken is worth in meat, it really unless I was starving, you know, that's when I would eat a chicken. But even if it just stops laying, you go, well, yeah, of course, you know, for the, it's going to lay for three to five years, going to give you thousands of eggs in that time. It's earned to live the last a couple more years. How many years does a chicken last for? I mean, it's about seven. About seven. And it all, I I think it's a a bit um, stop and go in the first year to get started. And then you'll get three to five and then potentially another two to three years after that of just old age. Okay, but um, yeah, I think I'd probably stop at big vet bills and stuff. I don't think I'd go there. I think if it starts to get ill, then it's just a case of nah, it's, it's can... so. Would you eat an ill one then? No, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. And I have learned actually is that um, there's two types of chickens there's laying chickens and there's eating chickens. So the laying ones don't taste very good anyway. Uh, just yeah. let them out to the fox, give them, give them a, an hour in the evening between nine and ten, see how they go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like the way your cats are like eyeing them up as well. Yeah, they they lit their lips. They were both when we pulled the port that box in full of chickens. They <laughs> followed us from the driveway all the way up to the chicken coop and just <laughs> they're staring. I just think it's ace have like you had that box with them in and their little heads were just poking out. A, yeah, I can't wait to see them tomorrow. It's exciting. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about bloody chickens. Today, we're going to discuss a bit about, we're going to go back to something that we notoriously will, we normally opt against talking about um, because we don't believe it's the way to measure the sort of like the growth, if you like, of Bitcoin. We normally say you don't judge judge it by its price. However, we want to touch on price today because I think it's um, it's interesting. We also know that it's price is what gets it coverage. At the moment, we're sat, I'm just looking at my bit clock, £21,560. If you move to your side, what's it in dollars? 26500 is it? Yeah, 530 530 So, yeah, so we are, what, 60% down from all-time high. However, from three years ago, we're, what, 17 grand up. So, to position, it's a nice trajectory up. But... What I want to talk about actually is people are confident that Bitcoin is going to go down or you know whatever, and they hedge it, don't they? And I think it was quite it was about two months ago when the banking crisis in Silicon Valley happened, and it went from sixteen up to twenty one, two, three, whatever it was. A lot of people got wrecked, didn't they? And um, and yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how the hedging process works. Who does it? Because it's the thing. How would you even do it? I don't even know. If I want to hedge against Bitcoin based on some bad news that we knew was coming, how would you bet against it? I just don't get it. Uh, You short it. That's that's what I said last week with the... Oh, yeah. Probably the academics. The academic a-holes. If they're so confident the price goes down, then then you short it. And what essentially that... That means is that you you bet on the price going down. So if the price goes to that, goes to go down, then then you make money. Uh, so some people are doing that, and obviously traders are doing that all the time. Like if you're even if you're a pro Bitcoin person, you might still be a trader, which means you'll you'll bet on you, know, you have you have a percent of your portfolio, you know, one or two percent, and you'll be trading that every day, and you'll be betting on Bitcoin going up this hour, then down the next hour, up the next potentially yeah. by the minute. Uh, so, so obviously, there's loads of people doing that, and yeah, you know, and, and quite one of the main reasons why price doesn't really matter is that there's so many different factors that can affect the price. Yeah. Uh, whereas, if you look at the other measure me- metrics like hash rate, number of users, lightning adoptions, um, number of transactions, number of countries adopting it, then all those things are bullish. All those things are just up and to the right. Whereas with price. It's much more volatile, and you go, well, well, why is that? Why, why isn't the price up and to the right? If everything is positive, then why isn't it just up and to the right? Well, Bitcoin is still a relatively small asset on the global scale. You know, at half a trillion, it's that small. 
Mm. So that's 500 billion. So it only takes, and when you look at the day-to-day trading of Bitcoin, it's it's it's, it's probably you know it's it's just in the small um, single-digit billions of Bitcoin that's been traded on all the exchanges globally. You know, say one to ten billion, depending on how excited people are, whether the news is bullish or bearish. One to ten trillion a day, and um, one to ten billion is being traded each day. So all it takes. Uh, for the price to go sharply up or sharply down is just a couple of extra billion coming in on either side of the trade. And then suddenly the price goes flying up or the price goes flying down. And normally I get the, the text straight away. If Bitcoin takes a 20% surge upwards or downwards, people will ask me, oh, why did Bitcoin go up? Or why did Bitcoin go down? And my default answer is there's more buyers than sellers or there's more sellers than buyers. Because I don't know, right? It, it could be. There's a load of informed people that know something that I don't, and it's it could be a million people selling one thousand pounds worth of Bitcoin. That is something that is, is is interesting because it's right. Why did these one million people sell that? What what information do they have that I don't have? Why are they exiting or entering Bitcoin? There's probably some type of news that could be interesting, but usually it isn't that. Usually it is just a billionaire or a government either selling off some Bitcoin or buying some Bitcoin. So really the answer is, well, if I could figure out what exchange that billionaire bought a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin on today, then yeah, I could go, the the reason for the price going up is that guy. But you don't have access to that level of data. So it's just that you don't know. And a couple of months ago, we had numerous down days where the price was just consistently going down by about 5% or something for about a week. And then a story broke that the, I think it was the US government, they or it might have been the Bulgarian government, there was a government somewhere anyway, and they'd seized a load of Bitcoin. They had a huge amount of it. They had something like 50,000 coins. It's a, a huge amount of this Bitcoin. And they'd sold off 12,000 of them um, over that week. And you go, well, there you go. You know, the, the price pressure on Bitcoin tends to be pretty consistent, right? And that's what we've seen over the last couple of months is that the price has stayed pretty consistent. It's it's pretty much been twenty percent either way of the price. It's just kind of fluttering along, uh, but occasionally we'll just have a number of down days before it recovers back. And in and in that instance, it looks like the reason why we had some drops was the government selling a couple of thousand Bitcoin every day for seven days. You go, well, that was probably why. Yeah, uh, and because the governments do seize large amounts of Bitcoin um, from individuals sometimes, and they don't want that asset and they look to dump it. And and it, then it's whether you want to get into the conspiracy side, because they don't tend to dump it all at once. They do tend to hold on to quite a lot of it, sell it for a week, and then hold the rest, wait a bit, sell it for a week. And you go, well, are they doing that on purpose to suppress the price? Is that their, every time Bitcoin gets some good news, they like, are oh, time to sell another thousand Bitcoin just to throw water on their parade who knows uh but obviously we know that they can only do that for so long it's not yeah, going to yeah. be permanently there because we know they actually do this in the gold market and uh, whenever gold starts to take off in price uh the the government will sell a load of paper gold you know so they just keep creating gold out of thin air really um and sell it to suppress the price they don't want gold to get too valuable because then it, it poses the threat to their fiat money so it's likely that they will be trying to do the same thing on Bitcoin. But the thing they can't do on Bitcoin is create paper Bitcoin and just sell that on an exchange. They need to have actual Bitcoin to do that. So we thought they were going to have to buy it, but then it suddenly makes sense that, oh, they don't have to buy it, do they? They seize it from people that they deem criminals, seize that as government assets. And just as they sell cars, houses, and all that kind of stuff in auctions, they also sell Bitcoin. And they'll they'll go to big exchange and, and they'll dump a load of coins um on those exchanges so so it's, it's why at price really if you really like watch it every day or every week it will just drive you insane because you're trying to five times a day i know and I, I still do it too but you just it's wherever you get emotional and get upset about it going down or you get excited about it going up it, your emotions will be in tatters and because especially if you're trying to follow the news if you're all over reddit or over twitter trying to figure out why this news has just happened. You just got to go, 
but you, you're probably never going to know why the thing happened. So just relax, just sit back, stack sats, and the price will be the price, right? And the 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 most likely thing is is that the price will continue to go up into the right. At the moment, it looks like oh look, we're, we're on a dip. But how many dips have we had over the 14 years of Bitcoin? And how many times have those dips been recovered and then massively surpassed their previous all-time high? And suddenly that little dip from being a huge V-shape in the chart, when you zoom out and you fast forward five years, you can't even see the V. Everyone was getting really upset about going from, what was it like back in the day, from $1,000 to $400. You can't even see that V now. It's gone, and everyone's getting upset from going from twenty thousand to three thousand. You can barely see that because now we've gone from gone to sixty nine thousand down to what was it? I think it was about seventeen or something at one point, and now we're back to twenty five. And that's the big V, and the previous one looks like a medium V, and the other ones are just pretty much almost look like a straight line up. So if we fast forward five, ten years, the current V that we're in will just be a straight line, and you won't notice it because it'll be it hundreds of thousands so just just chill out stack sats and, and and don't worry too much about what's going on and why the price might be moving up or down because most people that claim they know what what the price is doing is probably lying or they're forecasting aren't they wrong. yeah they're, they're it, trying to like promote their youtube channel or their trading course pretending to know and they, they don't they don't that's why they're going to charge you 50 dollars a month to find out what the price of bitcoin does it's like if you knew the price of bitcoin were going up or down you'd be a billionaire so why are you charging me fifty dollars a month for doing that for? No, good, good, good shout. It's um, I think the point is though, it's the market cap's small, isn't it, at the moment? So you can be influenced quite heavily. But I, I actually look forward. What so this forecast a little bit? So when the market cap gets to let's say five, six trillion, it's going to be a lot more difficult for anyone to. Well, it is and it isn't. So when the when the market cap's up at that level, it means the price will be probably 100, 200 grand. So I guess if you're if you if you're holding fifty thousand coins, you can still influence it exactly the same as you can today, because it'd be equivalent. But it's unlikely people are going to have as many as that at that point, unless it is a very, I don't know, very um, disciplined government that doesn't want to liquidate any of it. Because to hold it when it goes up that much, you would have billions, wouldn't you, potentially? I don't know what the 50,000 or uh, 200 grand would be. It probably must be a billion, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's, billion, it, is, it is multiple billions, yeah. And so they so have multiple billions of it now. Um, but yeah, you're right, because as the as the price goes up, the liquidity gets bigger as well. So the, the impact of that many coins hitting the exchange won't be as big because the liquidity on the exchange is, if the price 10x is, then usually the liquidity goes 10x as well. So now it's 10, 10x harder to dump the price. <laughs> So, oh, so yeah. coins almost do have more power at the moment because there's less people involved in Bitcoin that will be in the future. So, so that's and, the point. So do you think... Because they're selling them now. So that one government example that I gave where they had 50,000 coins, they've only got 40,000 now. Well, I think it's actually 38. I think they sold 12,000. So they got 38. And that will continue to happen. So do you think if you were Ricky Sunak now, would you hold your coins and wait until it pumps up to a decent level when people get excited again and then crush it down again like and then go with conviction like sell all of them to make it go underneath what it is today people would be stupidly scared because that would go against the cycles wouldn't it but if by doing it now it's just like all you're doing is compressing a box that's expanded it's going to break break especially when the halving's on its way we're on that the exciting sort of on the we're on a 400 meter sprint and we're on the 100 meters now waiting to go to the halving last year it's 12 months now isn't it just under and then it's going to be probably the next 12 months will be the boom time again won't it the, 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 the good thing is it doesn't matter what he does uh whatever tactic he does cause you could you could go two ways or three ways with it you could just do a very like anti-dca to constantly sell oh uh, yeah I suppose. constantly keep the price down uh, or you could wait for a big dip and then sell it, which obviously means you get less fear at the other end of it, but you're a government, you don't care, you can print it. Yes. Wait, wait for a big dip and then sell it again to push the price even further, yeah. even whilst all the buyers have run off, sell, dump it again. Because that would scare people. That would actually ruin you know, people that have done dark things like you leverage debt on to buy it. It would ruin people. So then... It doesn't take many stories to go wildfire, does it, on those sort of things? I'm, I'm thinking because at the minute, the, the public's, the average Joe's very much the, 
the ball's not, you know, it's not in play. I'm not sure what to do with it. Do we do we jump in? Still think it's not right. I'm st- a lot of people still believe in ISAs, pensions and stuff like that. So whilst you've got that belief, the people are vulnerable, aren't they? So, but confidence is growing. We can see that. Uh, the, you speak to anyone now, everybody, I would say, bar next, next to no one. I don't think I know anyone that doesn't know what Bitcoin is. Hmm. Not that, not not detail, not belief, but they've heard of it, whether that's negative or positive. So everyone knows about it. So it's not long before that confidence grows. And that's when I think they need to smash it. But like you say, sound money, the people find this, this, the cleverest way and the safest way and the, the best storage of wealth. So it will find its way. It's just I'm thinking these are delay tactics. But what they need to do, and I guess what they're doing now with the Bank of England releasing the information on the, the digital pound, which is a digital pound, is that the CBCDs? CBDC? Yeah. yeah. They've got that. So that is their counter punch, isn't it? So these need to sedate and keep Bitcoin down, suppress it, and if you like, to give themselves, well, look, you could go to Bitcoin, but we know that's a scam. Look at us. Centrally funded, backed by the bank, safe money. It's the new era. And that is what I, I imagine is what they're, they're trying to do, which is probably why they're going to start. I think the anti-DCA is probably what they're going to do. Yeah, and that's what they're doing now. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because all, all that happens is um, it's like when every time what happens when the price really dumps in Bitcoin, like really dumps, the price nearly always shoots back up because there might be a load of people that go, oh, no, the price of Bitcoin's going down. And yet, guess what? They're not Bitcoiners yet. That is the average Joe. And guess what? They don't get cheap Bitcoin. It's the Bitcoiners that come in and any spare fiat they have, they lump in and yeah. go, great. Thank you, Mr. Government, for dumping the price. I'll have some cheap sats. And the price goes flying back up. Which so. then, I think for the bigger picture as well, because you're absolutely right, that's exactly what happened. And that's going to continue to happen because big, people use it as an investment and they will they will get scared. They'll probably sell. Then it'll be the, the core Bitcoiners, which I think if we got 200,000 miners at the moment in circulation, I think that was the number I quoted last week. How many Bitcoiners do you reckon we've got? Like, and this isn't just people that are holding or got a wallet. This is people that do genuinely believe and they're proper hodlers. I'd probably say probably half that number. Would you say 100,000 in the world or would you say more? Say more than that. I know it's a real hard thing to get. Yeah, yeah the, well, the 200,000 miners, that means 200,000 like miners. Probably, of course, it'd be more than that, though, wouldn't it? Probably. Yeah, they're the hardcore. Like, okay, this, should we just say, what, like, say 10 million then? The stat normally is there's 200 million Bitcoiners in the world. 200 million, okay. So there's 200 million Bitcoiners. They're the ones. So, you know, when you talk about the new era when it all crashes down and you said you said numerous times it's going to be like a hard sell, like it's going to be one of those things which you won't want to brag about because it'd be like there's people are going to be in absolute turmoil. Mm. This is exactly the reason why it's going to happen like that because you're going to get, the, the if you like, the clever people that have switched on and moved on are going to get more and the people that don't believe are going to have less and go bunk- bankrupt. Mm. Which is the thing, you're going to have very much a 1% rich club, aren't you? 99% scrapping for the wage in Bitcoin. Yeah, and on top of that, we're going to have, as the government goes down and burns, when the when Bitcoin rises from the ashes, the government are going to go, that's why you're, you've all lost your job and your pension's gone and your wages are worth nothing. It's because of Bitcoin. Mm. And they're going to, they obviously own the propaganda machine that is the media. So Bitcoiners will be hated for uh, uh, probably for quite a long time yeah. until those governments kind of fall, new governments will arise probably out of the ashes in some shape or form, and then the truth will get told about and we'll and we'll and our probably grandkids will hear about it in school about the great fiat collapse, and they may hear some truth if things have been corrected and we're on a Bitcoin standard, and they'll get taught how governments were reckless with money and they they burn everything down. Because it's like what they what they do now, right? It's like when every time the government fucks up, who who do they blame? They blame immigrants and poor people. They're they're, they're the two demographic that have virtually zero impact on the economy of any country. Yet they get blamed when the banks lose all the money and go bankrupt. How did immigrants and poor people do any of that? They they didn't. It's big execs and big government um, corrupt individuals that are is leveraging up, gambling with everyone's money, and one day they lose it. And what is their excuse? Oh, immigration and poor people 
you know, claiming too many benefits. That that's that's the reason. Go go fight amongst yourselves. So they yeah. that's just divide and conquer. That's just deflection. Because if they actually were honest and went, yeah, we gambled all your money away. Sorry about that. There'd be riots in the street, and we'd be forcing for real, real change. Like actually getting rid of the government completely in its current form and putting something else better to go. So this experiment failed. We're going to put a different one in because you lost it all. That's bad. So when they fail this time, there will be no bailout because their money will be worthless. Bitcoin will be the currency that has value. And the bit of Bitcoin they have, even if they do have 50,000, 100,000 coins, that isn't enough to sustain their huge authoritarian government kind of spends. They'll get, they'll rifle through that in a matter of days. Suppose so, so they're going to blame Bitcoin, and it's it's not going to be very nice to be a Bitcoin. Do you because th- we've always said you in order to have uh, a land which is not full of crime and you know you need to have the education and stuff put back into it. You do need to have some sort of government, but obviously it'd be a different government because it would be separated from the the money. Which would be the reason why why it should be work, workable and should be more like a business. But I wonder. I I love to know how that will ever come up. Will like you still have Labour and and, and conservatives that will stand for? No. Or will you have like? Yeah, tough. I just yeah. Probably, yeah, I think you've almost got to think back. It's almost to the kings and queens type era, and they have. But like, who's going to be a lot of fighting? The thing is, hmm. you know, it's like rich kids want to be the richest. There's a lot of cock measuring to be between the bitcoiners because they obviously they'll be the ones that will be there with the power because they have the cash mm. so it, it could be like civil wars amongst different levels of thing because you know bitcoins at the minute are together because they're fighting a common goal once that's done and now it's now right you're fighting for the new world it's gonna be it's gonna be, oh, be yeah that's, that's why in, in reality that's why bitcoiners are already preparing like countries just to move to like so the the, the Bitcoiners know we're not going to be welcome in Fiatland and we don't really want to be in Fiatland when that burns down. So we will move to a citadel, a country that is on the Bitcoin standard, yeah. has been well established and everyone thinks the same. When Fiat world collapses and everyone's just pointing fingers and blaming each other, they'll have to rebuild and eventually they will start acquiring Bitcoin over over the times and they will each country we will, will rebuild in a completely different shape and some will have big governments, some will have small, some will have none, it's whatever. But it's going to take a long time for that new world to develop. And whilst that happens, it's probably going to take a couple of generations. You don't want to be living through that. It's not going to be nice. So you want to be, and, and essentially, yeah, we will be on in, in the Citadel somewhere. Because it's, so, um, why, well, why do all that when you can, now when, when you saw it coming, that's the benefit of being, about being on the life raft, right? You're not flapping about in the water worrying what's happening. So you were on the life raft way before and you got to land first. So you know, we're pointing everyone in the right direction, right? We're trying to get everyone on the life raft. But once it goes down fully, people behind, there's too many to save. If you go back for them now, they sink you as well. So, and if anything, they, they blame you for being in a life raft and their granny just died. You go, right, that's nothing to do with me. I tried to get your granny on this life raft ages ago. So I've just got to keep saying this way now. So at the moment, it's not too late, but there will become a point where it is too late. And yeah, we're seeing that in Argentina, you know, Venezuela, yeah. Zimbabwe. All these countries, it's already too late for them. They've already lost everything. But in the Western world, we're kind of okay at the moment. 20% inflation, it's not good, but it's also not completely stealing all your money within a year just stealing 20% of it. You don't want to have too many of those years, though. But it's uh, not... We're, we're celebrating yesterday, you know. Single figures. However, yeah. however, they caveated it, with, which is the thing that blows my mind. So CPI index is basically the measure of inflation, I always thought. Yeah. However, they said, we're finally below double digits in inflation, so that's 9.9%. However, food is still up at 20%. Like, so come on now, which one do you, what, where's this quote coming? What's 9.9% then? What, what does that even mean? Is it, uh, yeah. blows my mind. That's a whole different pod, but yeah, the, the, the CPI is a, is a government controlled statistic where they tend to look at the items that inflate more than what they want and they remove them from the basket. Yeah, and but we should be really vegan. Sad, 
they've really started to be um, corrupt about it where they because it used to be at least food and energy was in the basket but because the energy and food have gone up by so much now that they take certain items completely out uh, and then they start to substitute stuff so instead of tracking the price of beef say they will track the price of crickets and go oh the price of crickets hasn't gone up so that like cricket or the price of crickets it went up by two percent the price of beef has gone up 150 percent but we're going to we're going to remove beef from the cpi basket and put in crickets and go people should eat crickets and that's why you know the whole eat the bugs thing oh yeah bug sandwich happy bug burger (laughs) eat bugs be happy yeah, and that's why they're pushing it because it's a it's a clever way of them pretending inflation isn't happening because they remove good items from the PPI shopping basket and re- replace it with junk and go and then then just pretend that the inflation on the other items hasn't happened and go oh you don't want beef anyway how far it's bad for the environment uh, eat crickets crickets don't fart yeah the other thing about the energy prices I find quite funny is. They've, they've they've again released it today for the next three months. <clears throat> the energy price cap is going to be two thousand pounds. Like no shit, Sherlock. It's summer. They have me eating on, do I? So of course it's dropped. I've noticed a drop in my energy bill. It's nothing to do with the price. The price is the same. It's just I'm I'm using less. Like, so to give the cap at two thousand, it's like well obviously because no one's got to eat on, and that's the gas bill is the thing that went up the worst. Yeah. Well, they promoted it that year on year it's down four hundred pounds. So this this time last summer it was it was four hundred pounds more. But then they forget the fact that if you go back one more summer, it was a thousand pounds less. <laughs> so you go, well, hold on. Yeah, you have knocked it down temporarily from four hundred pounds because you raised it a thousand. But this this the advertising it's it's a drop, it's a massive saving of four hundred pounds per household that they're getting from this summer to last summer. Which is correct. That isn't a lie. It was four hundred pounds more expensive last summer, but then we got given the money last summer anyway. That's what all the payments and the discounts were put into our account. So no one really paid the extra four hundred. But now they've taken it off again without just giving us the money in discounts. But then next year, guess what happens? Those payments are gone. So it's back up to the thousand pound more. And so the price of energy is still doubled. Yet at the moment, today's story is every household is richer by 400 pounds like no they're still 600 pounds down from two years ago it's like it's the whole break your leg and give you a crutch now you say thank you you know yeah. and yeah. The, the, this is the way we go back to the, the corruptness it's they shouldn't people should not be allowed to be in power and be on the you know either payroll or a shareholder of firms like that because the the they're making so much cash from from these, and they're the decision makers. The rich just get richer by doing it. So, yeah, it's the poor people that are, are getting burnt, aren't they? Basically, at least there's no grannies not being able to put the. They can choose now between eating and heating. Yeah. Open the window. Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. And then, yeah, the other one we add on here is interest rates, and uh, so interest rates are a, a poison chalice, right? Or the yeah. Because interest rates are, are flying up now, right? Seven, eight percent. Which, if you've got a stack ton of savings and you've got a load of nice property portfolio, um, with not any mortgages on it, by the way, um, but yeah, then it'll good. just push asset prices up, which is which is good for you, right? So you, you get... stop there a minute. So because the interest rates are up, why does it push your asset rate up? Just for supply and demand requirements, right? Because if you've got a house that's worth Obviously, that might have gone up 20K, you know, whatever, 15%. That's not directly re- related to the bank, is it? But the bank interest rates, are they actually at 7% at the moment? Can you get 7% on your money return? Uh, no, but that's what interest rates are at. And then the bank will always knock a couple of percent off that. So you can get 4% oh, okay. interest rates from a bank. Normally, whatever, you can have a look at a bank and go, whatever the interest rate they'll give you on your savings. Um Add a couple of percent on, and that's the interest rate. Other than when it was at zero, and then it was just we got zero, they got zero, and it was zero for for about a decade. You know what I would do? I would take that zero zero. Thank you, sir. I'll move on, and then you give me a hundred grand to buy my house. Thank you. I'll pay you back 
130 grand over 30 years so you know you're going to make 30 grand it's a fair trade isn't it whereas when you've got interest rates that's so variable it's not because you know we always say about all the way through schooling and stuff you always get told to make educated risks and and educated decisions and you forecast forward to make sure you can afford it and stuff like that well how can you afford it when the variability of that like you say with seven percent on your mortgage jesus like if i had my mortgage now i i only renewed my mortgage just over a year ago literally a year and a, a month i think it was i got 2.04 percent hmm. and that was a bit annoying because it was 1.89 two weeks earlier when i was going through the rigmarole but there was a bloody hold on my on my house because of it being um buy to let not buy to let um help to buy with the government scheme which again is a scamming little bastards they are so just a, just on the side note in order to sell help to buy i had to pay 200 quid for a chap to come around and value it fortunately he was a villa fan and i asked him about how he prices it up and he says there's a range and he quoted me at the bottom range so that was a big saving <laughs> so it's well worth being a villa fan on that day very rarely is it worthwhile being a villa fan but on that one it worked then you have to pay um 20 of your house back at the rate of how much it is so if your house has gone down you paid the, the money they give you if your house has gone up you pay them 20 percent of that which again it's fine if that's the agreement that's obvious when you do it which that was quite obvious but the thing that isn't you you can't take any equity out of your house with the help to buy on the, the house so even though you've got like 100 grand equity in there, you can't touch it until you pay back their help to buy. But that is not necessarily that obvious in the contract. Yeah, I know. And it's meant to be, you know, they're meant to be helping you, right? Whereas yeah, precisely. Suddenly yeah. it looks like, no, 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 this is an investor. They've, they've come in with you 2080 and they want to... Oh, you pay a £1,000 admin fee, I think it was, to actually sell it back. Yeah. So straight away you're losing more money just doing that. It's just... yeah. So, but the way it's marketed is, oh, you'd be stupid not to do help to buy. You, know, you get a house yes. at 80% of the value, get the government get 20, but then you don't look like it. Look down the future because it does help people get on the market. But then once you end up trying to get out of this deal, you yes. realize, holy shit, this isn't good. This, they're not helping me at all. They're charging me at every turn. They're trying to get fees out of every little thing they can possibly get. And then if the house has gone up in value, they want a piece of it. And you go, hold on. No, your 20% was worth X. I'll pay you your X back, maybe plus a little bit of interest yeah. or something, but yeah. then you fuck off. But instead, it's like, no, 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 the house value went up by 30%. We want the extra 30 on top of the 20. Um, so that's 26%, basically, of, of what we actually lent you. But And you go, well, hold on, are you investor in me now? Are we, did we go into this yeah. joint venture together where suddenly now um, I didn't realize there was another owner of this house and they were... You just gave me an amount of money... How about I just give you that amount of money plus a little bit more, and then you fuck off? They're like, no, no, no. yeah, we want a, a bigger piece of the pie. If you've made money, we're making money too. And you go, well, this isn't really helping, then, is it? And and then they try and trap you in that game of yeah. never being able to really. Like most people would never be able to get away from the help to buy that twenty percent. Well, the worst thing is, I, I, from, from memory as well, I think you have to pay it all off or nothing. Yeah. And you pay nothing off. You pay, and it's quite, it's actually a real amount of money. It's like, I think it was in the first year, it was like 50, 60 quid a month interest only, by the way. Then it was going up basically a tenner every year. So by the end of the, like after five years or something, you're paying like 200 odd quid a yeah, month. So it's a real money. Never buy them out in the end. And obviously your your house price is going up as they are. And it becomes even harder. It's, yeah. Um, but anyway, on that note as well, you, you realise they're starting to do the zero percent deposits again, aren't they? Yeah, we're back to 20, 2008, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're back to insanity land. Yeah, because because interest that's the the other side of the double edged sword. Is when interest rates go up, it also then means mortgages are stupidly expensive. Um, obviously, yeah, you got one for two two percent just over a year ago. Now this that same mortgage would be seven or eight percent now. So the total repayable and the monthly payments are double, probably what you agreed to. So imagine that, Jesus. Yeah, it's for the insane. same, for exactly the same thing, you'd probably be paying about double, or at least fifty percent more. Right, depends on the term that you're paying back and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's going to be significantly more. Probably would have taken it out of your price range for the budgeting you'd have been looking at because it's just you'd have gone, what the hell is this? You'd have had to just 
think of something else. Uh, so people can't get on the housing market because straight away they can't afford the monthly payments plus the deposit. So they go, well, look, let's just take the deposit off the table. And yeah. you Use the deposit money to top up your mortgage payments. For the yeah, first blend, blend in and we'll, we'll give you zero zero percent deposit and now now without the deposit can you afford the monthly payments and some people will go well yeah for the probably first year maybe two if i merge the deposit over that i can and then they go okay great and then you and a lot of people will go okay that well that's fine i'm sure in the next two years i'll get a pay rise something will happen and i'll be able to keep up And, and guess what we know how this story ends people can't keep up and that deposit that was supposed to be a big chunk and then your monthly payments were down, that didn't happen. There's no big chunk gone. You're just you're chipping away. It's a tiny, tiny little chips. And the monthly payments are right on the edge of your limit. So it only takes one person in the household to lose a job or take a pay cut. And it's game over. They default. And eventually what ends up happening when you play this out long enough is everyone or well, a, a huge percentage of people default and the banks go and try and uh, take the, the property back and it ends up being worth less than what they loaned it out for. They're now short of money. We have a 2008 banking crisis all over again. But the people that are doing that right now and giving out zero deposit loans will be getting huge bonuses, nice big golden handshakes going into retirement. Yeah. They'll rake in the money because they'll all be smashing their numbers or the mortgages. The mortgage, the number of mortgages being taken out at the moment uh, is dropping from like 30, 40%. It's like the, you know, the the stamp duty was removed during the pandemic. That's obviously back. Now you've got double, triple interest rates. So your, your payments are hugely higher. So obviously people are going to be hesitant. You know, we've got a cost of living crisis happening. So people's money is already short. And then you go, oh, by the way, you, you need an extra £400 a month for your mortgage. It's just stupid. It's just you, there's only so much money, right? The average salary does not pay now to live and pay a mortgage. It just doesn't. Oh, so. On the side of that, there's another thing that's happened recently. I heard on LBC not like the last few weeks. They're doing something to landlords. They're making it difficult. I think they've passed a bill to make it more difficult. I think for landlords to kick out renters. So ultimately, what they're trying to do, I'm guessing, meeting between lines, make it a little bit more less appealing for you to buy a house and rent it out, which means people are more likely to want to go and buy, which again, mm. gets you in the rat race of, because you know, when you say about the 7% mortgage, if people haven't got mortgages like that, you know, you, you, if you, your mortgage is like 700 quid, probably 350 of it, maybe 300 is actual payments and the rest is interest. So imagine if, and that's like two, 3%, if you double that, you're paying 300 quid off and you're paying a thousand pound, like, wow, that's 700 quid of going into, bait. now that is, bloody going into thin air isn't it like yeah. people said about bitcoin being backed on thin air like that is literally thin air payments isn't it yeah and you if you really zoom out and look at the game theory of all this when you, when you tie it all together where does all the property end up because they're yeah they're putting pressure on landlords making it easier for renters to default uh the the owners of properties are also going to default so and then there's a load of first-time buyers that now can't get on the market and have to rent um, so what you end up housing council estate exactly you end up with one big council estate where all the property ends up in the hands of the banks or the government uh because everyone's defaulted right you know, if you de- default on your help to buy at some point the government will go okay so it's fine we'll take the variety um <laughs> in, in receivership and then you know and then they'll rent it out or, or do whatever and it all goes to these huge investment firms um indirectly managed by the government so yeah, it, it looks like, and this is the move to, to socialism and communism, right? Where you don't own anything and you'll be happy. And that includes your home. And they're, they're pricing you out of your own home right now. They just do it by, it's death by a thousand cuts. They, they don't just yeah. throw up the price of something straight away because it's so very obvious. Like that's the thing that did it. If you just keep doing it by, by bit, by bit, by bit, by bit, eventually you don't really notice that, oh, Sandra down the road got kicked out and oh Mike's gone now as well. Oh, he's a bit of a gambler though, a bit of a drinker. Probably that's probably mm. that's probably what did it. And then eventually, but before you know it, it's like, holy shit, the tide's risen and I'm next. I can't afford my mortgage payment now, but hold on. I'm still doing the same job. We still live the same way. If anything, we've cut back. 
why can't I afford to pay my mortgage now? And all that happened was that you your 2% mortgage ran out, you had to flip to a 7 or 8% one, and, and you're underwater. Well, your energy bills are slightly creeped up, which probably on the face of them, a monthly payment is not massively more, but it's again, it's a bit more of a charge. Your grocery shop's more expensive. So I've to be honest, I, we, you must have seen it as well. We've all noticed it. You go for your normal bank accounts and how much you used to be able to get away with spending and having left at the end of the month isn't the same anymore. So you're absolutely right. You do have to move on with your life. And people that are in um, jobs that can't get that, they're the ones that are going to struggle. Like we can move jobs and, and get pay rises and promotions and stuff. Like you've got the opportunities, whereas a lot of people don't. They're going to be knackered, which then brings us on to um, something else that a lot of people, I know from personal experience, we all go to work in a, a government um, public sector job because you get these beautiful benefits, one being unlimited sick pay, <laughs> it seems like. anyway. Um, other ones are like job for life. And the the one that was obviously great pre-1995 was the pensions. Um. However, so just a little background on what I've witnessed with pensions. In the pre-1995 one, it was final final salary payment. And I think you would get two and a half times what you put in, they would put in. And you'd get payout. I think it's like three years of your final salary as a lump sum. You skip forward to like, I think, 2008. They changed it and they changed it to like less contributions than the 2012 um, part it went down to like um, mean contributions or average salary over your last 10 years or something. And obviously that's so you're showing a decline there. But the the other thing is, I think you could really, in the old days, get it at 60. Then the second one that I talked about was 65. Then it's 66. It's now 67. So my prediction based on those years, when it comes to us in 30 years time, it will probably be 36 years time for me, 72. And like, look around us, like how many people get ill? How many people make it like healthfully at 70? And like, there's too many people that I know that, you know, get ill or pass away in the late fifties, early sixties. So straight away, a your longevity in it. But I think the thing we want to touch on mostly is the longevity of the money in the pot. Because on conversely to what I just said then about people dying early, there's also with med, medical invention and development, some people probably, I'd, I'd love to know the split, let's say 50-50 for argument's sake, 50% live in way longer as well. So we're drawing on this for longer. So a pension designed for probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I'd imagine. So if you last for 30, then you're actually in profit, aren't you? Or if you live for 40 years, so you make, make 100 and you've got all your care fees and all that stuff. So will there be pension pots left? Will we have a state pension, I guess, is the question. And will... Because that's the other thing. I I opted out of the government-funded one. But would you go, Would you opt out of a private pension fund where it's... where you? So obviously, remove Bitcoin out of this now. So that's as a, a side asset um, for investment. But if you're in a private pension, is that more stable than been in the government one no not really uh so yeah the state pension will almost definitely be gone there yeah because that essentially is a benefit so the government is going to get squeezed over the next 30 years probably sooner and one, one of the last things they do steal and remove is the state pension but they will it, has it, this it, ever happened before was there ever pensions in the past was these no, just be the new, first time it's new like people this is the ridiculous thing that people think like pensions were just invented with cavemen. Like, no, they weren't. Uh, <laughs> like the the young would look after the old. That would you know, you'd look after your parents. Like when they're too old to hunt, you would go hunt and give them their food because it's like, well, yeah, you hunted. So the them. government wasn't there with food banks. I know it's not <laughs> vouchers to get a old jaffa cake from Canaldi, but and and then yeah, and so and then after that, you know, we would. Um, once we moved to money, people would work their whole life. And guess what? They weren't babies. They didn't give their savings to a central authority to go, when I'm old, can you give me a little bit of that savings back every month? Thank you. No, they didn't. They weren't babies. 
they would take their wealth and they, you know this is where like putting hiding money under the mattress kind of comes from where you would you would save up your your wealth during your life to make sure that in your years where you no longer can work you would have enough to to live you know, each person would be individually accountable or as a family you'd be accountable so you know, maybe you've got a member of the family that isn't isn't um, very good at working or they could be disabled whatever kick them out the other family members (laughs) um, and save it and look after that person and it's just very normal it was just you look after your own right you know charity starts at home starts with yourself then goes to your family then goes to your extended family and that's um that's the way we would live but we have moved to such a dangerous place now where the majority of people have put the majority of their savings their big kind of last hurrah and how they're going to live a good retirement, they have given that to a huge central authority who has their entire track record of money is horrendously atrocious. So you're gambling that 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 money manager that is atrocious is not going to, at some point, steal those funds. And there's multiple ways they can steal them, right? So if the state pension, super easy, they switch off. The way they steal your private pension, they tax it. Super easy. Oh, you have more than 50K in a pension? Oh, that means you're part of the elite. Anything over 50,000 is charged at 99% tax. What do you mean that's not good? You not care about the kids in Ukraine? How dare you? So they steal it that way. They steal it through taxes. And, and And that's assuming that the fiat money hasn't collapsed completely. If fiat money collapses completely then your pension's just worth zero regardless of what. Because it's, oh, you have a million pounds in your pension. Guess what? A million pounds doesn't buy a loaf of bread. It's, we're on a Bitcoin standard now. So that's one of the big dangers. But I would, and, and all a pension does, right? There's some tax benefits on the way in. So it's tax-free, right? Oh, it's, why wouldn't you pay into your pension? It's tax-free. Not tax-free on the way out though, is it, mate? It's taxed on the way out. At income rate, at income tax level, which is the same as what it's taxed on. Whereas you just take it today. So do you want to get taxed today on it or taxed on it later? It's 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 just an either or. That's awesome, guys, because you're absolutely right. Everyone says to me, "You're dumb." Tax will benefit that. You could get you could get underneath. You'd be paying less tax. But I was like, but my bottom line, my net income is considerably less. Also, like, so I'm better off losing more to the tax man and having more in the bottom line. Then yeah, I am losing when it. Do it when do you want your money? Do you want it at 67 or do you want it at 37? Yeah. I know exactly. what, straight away I'd have it at 37, right? And then what you can do is you can invest it in exactly the same things that a pension fund would. You could just Google what do, what do pension funds invest in, right? And it, it tends to be a whole series of government bonds, which are supposed to be rock solid. They all went virtually to zero this year. So lols, that was the safest houses thing. But the majority of the money just tracks the market. SP 500 thing. Yeah, FTSE 500, a random Vanguard, like 500 global company thing. Super. So you can buy that yourself. So if you want to pay in your 200, 300, 500 pound a month, whatever your massive freaking pension number is, you could pay into that yourself and you will get the same level of gains that your pension does yourself. But the big difference is is if you do want to retire at 63 or 55, you can, and you can start taking from your pension because it's your pot. It's not some pot that is controlled by another yeah. company that tells think- you when you're allowed to retire. You can do it yourself. And if you have a big um, like health crisis, you can take all of it. And guess what? There's no tax um, thing to worry about when you take it. You've already paid the tax. You paid it when you earned it. You just put it into a savings pot. And now it's it's your money, right? Sloshing around. When you take all your money in retirement, bang, they hit it with a 40% tax over certain levels. Class is income. But I guess the whole point is it's contributions from the employer. So you might get taxed on it. You still take them. You see, you can't in the NHS. That's the crazy thing. 
So I, I looked into that. I was like, can I do 0%? You go, no, wherever your band is, you have to pay X or we don't pay nothing. So that's quite strict. The other thing that you're right about is if you want to take it early, you get penalized like 5% a year or something daft, don't you? Of your final salary pot, you know, the lump sum. It all, it all makes it different, but some will just say no. You, know, you could have literally a, like a, a health crisis at you know, 47 and go, oh, I'm going to die in a year. Can I have my pension? They'll just go, no, lol, it's, it's over. Sorry. Yeah, because that's the thing I don't like about it. You should be able to take out whatever you put in. You should be able to take out whenever you want. It's wrong, isn't it? And the other thing is, whilst I said like they contribute the same, let's say it's 50-50 and you put 100, they put 100. <clears throat> that 200 quid that goes in today, we know fully well in 10 years' time, it's not going to be worth 200 quid of spending power today. No. Or no, that 200 quid won't be 100 pounds spending power. So in reality, well, we just look at our mums and dads. They talk about being able to buy houses for eight, nine grand. Now you're paying 300 grand and their pensions that they're putting in then that 500 or 50 quid a month, 100 pound a month, whatever their wages were is not worth anything near what it was worth in those days. When you think you could buy a house for nine, nine grand and you're putting 100 quid away, that's quite not that far off. Whereas if you're now putting 500 quid away and your house is worth 360 grand or something, that's just not even a drop in the ocean, is it? Hmm. So and it's, it's nuts. Like pensions are really predatory as well. I mean, people don't realize they are products, right? And they're, they're products that these companies make profit on. So not only are they taking fees every single year, which really erodes your gains if you do it yourself. You think people go, oh, it's not taxable, taxable benefits. Factor in that the fact that your pension company will take 1% a year every year. For- and when you worked that out for, for our dad about if he had his X amount and if you just paid that 1%, I think it was for an accountant, it was horrendous. The numbers go forward five years, wasn't it? It was like, it was real, real money, wasn't it? If you went with an investor. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's obviously the, the exception pension wise, because he was the benefit of, you know, an RAF stupid, oh, yeah. good pension. So it absolutely was worth taking pensions when they're giving full salaries, big lumps. 40. Yeah, it's yeah, being paid out a pension since forty. Yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts. It literally, you could you could have retired at forty. Really, I don't know why he didn't. But but then yeah, once you you get the pension pot, yeah, go to a financial advisor. They take their one percent, and I just put put that one percent out over you know the next 10, 20 years, and it just completely destroys the gains that you have. And that's what's happening to every single person's pension pot right 20%, now. percent, it's not a lot, but then it is a lot. Wasn't it? It was. It was crazy money. I think it was like thirty, forty grand or something stupid, wasn't it? That yeah, you lose for every hundred. I think you lost thirty, forty. Yeah, and that just doesn't make sense because that doesn't add up. But it is when you extrapolate it. Oh, it's, it's insane. Yeah, because he's taking one percent of the whole pot. So yes, gains you get. Oh, of course, there's only a percentage of that, isn't it? It really hurts your gains because yeah, you don't want to be giving someone one percent. Uh, no, and um. I do like the 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 ideology that you you put to it, like having pocket money when you're a fully grown adult, and it dictates your your retirement, doesn't it? But all and again, it goes back to the thing about going to school, getting a mortgage, getting kids, working until you get ill or can't, then you take early retirement, or you wait till you're old enough and you take retirement, and then you just wait to go. You're sitting God's waiting room, don't you, in the nursing home, right? Whereas that, I don't feel like that's the general public. Not everyone thinks like that now. I know there's a lot more people think, I want to retire early. They try and find ways out. But still, the masses in the, I've got to pay into it because it's that's what you do, isn't it? How am I going to live if I haven't got a pension? But do you know what that is? You know, you say pension's not for babies. But people are quite babies, though. People have a, a number in their account. That means they can spend it. Yeah. And they can go to zero because they get paid again. So people aren't mature with money, are they? Yeah, so yes. It's why it's why I entitled the whole podcast on the four Bs, Are You a Baby? Because I, I genuinely think if you take a pension, you're a baby. When you really, really look at it, if you look at the the long term profit and loss and the pros and cons, it's so clear if you have any nous around finances and money you should absolutely manage that yourself. If you're a baby and you can't be bothered learning how to look after your own finances, absolutely. Probably the safest thing probably is to pay into a pension pot. Yeah. Who knows? At some point in the future, you might get more money back 
and it will get you through retirement slightly okay. If you retire soon, then then you're probably more likely to, to get your pension than not. But if you're retiring in 20, 30 years, it's really, really a really big gamble. And chances are you would have lost that money frittering it away on Starbucks coffees and gambling on the football at the weekends anyway. So That's literally my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well just put it into a pension. At least it's the intention was there to make it to make that money work for you for your for your retirement. At least the intention was good. Whereas and I think at least when you get to retirement age and potentially no pension there maybe you won't beat yourself up as much because there wouldn't have been any pension there anyway if you hadn't paid into a pension because you just frittered it away. Then you would have had no one to blame other than yourself. So maybe offloading the blame to the government will be easier on your conscience. But if you actually want to be financially mature and not a baby, then just look after your own money. Don't don't fall into the trap of government's leading you down a certain path because they're going to they, they say it's tax-free this way that's like your help to buy scheme right it is they led you down a path going we're helping oh. you to buy a house it literally says it in the title you go thank you sir i'll lead you down this path and then before you know it oh by the way you owe me this you owe me that oh, and by the way your house has gone up you owe me more yes. well let's just let's go back to that point you said about help to buy i just thought about it so obviously we know where they clearly made money admin fees etc they also made the money on the, the house prices going up, which obviously when they brought the help to buy out, they knew that was going to happen because that, they they decide that. The only reason that we took help to buy out was so we had more value to loan ratio, which allows you to drop into a cheaper interest mortgage. All right. And you're talking by 2.2.4%. It's not a lot. It's like quite small. But in the monthly payment, it's probably 100 quid a month. But if you work out how much I end up paying, as a result of that, over those five years, I reckon I paid probably more than if I had not had it in a smaller loan-to-value ratio. Mm-hmm. And there we go. That's it. That's it. I finally worked it out in my mind. That's why it works, because they make money on that 20%, which covers any little bit of saving you've made per month for the last five years. Of course. Of course. It's, it's, it's all a... about loan-to-value, and that's what oh, they put they on. It's like start a business that indirectly you ended up owning... 20% of all first-time buyers' homes. Of course, that, that's a freaking foolproof plan. And then guess yeah. what? You're not even in charge of the overall loan. Someone else is, the bank's taking the risk on that. Yeah. You just get the free 20%. It's, it's nuts. It's yeah. Of course, it's absolutely risk-free. They, they know full well that the house prices, you know, house prices are going to continue to go up because they can see the, the rise in the population numbers. They're letting load of additional people into, into every country. And so there's limited more less and less homes. There's the scarcity is there, so that the price of homes goes up. And then they keep making the loans more accessible, trying to get more people in. Even if interest rates get out of control, they go, shit, what can we do? I know no deposit, let them in that way. They just want house prices to keep pumping. Why? Because the people making the decisions have a fuck ton of property. That's why. Yeah. Which is which is why property is such a reliable investment, because if, if property goes down, the big boys get hurt. So chances are it will recover quite quick. But eventually, the house of cards falls and the big boys do lose a lot of money. The governments lose money and the house prices will... Well, they get blase, don't they? Actually. They over, over-speculate, don't they? That's what happens. They get greedy, isn't it? And and yeah. I think uh, there was a, uh, it was you that said this years and years and years ago and you had the penny drop on you. And you used to, and I always used to do it, I used to, I used to invest on the last day of the month before payday. I did, always did. Whatever was left in my bank account, mm-hmm. I would invest. Then, I think a conversation with you, and I think it was after you did, so I think I learned this earlier in my life than you did, probably because you told me <laughs> four years later. Um, you invest on day one, and then you live your life to those means. If you get to a point where you're really stuck and your car tires blow up, you pull some out of your investment. You cover it. But the point is, it's psychologically, you're you're budgeting yourself for the future and that's the you're not being tight and that's the critical point here you're still living your life because you've budgeted it correctly so you know that you're not going to be having to take money out of your investments at the end of the month because ultimately you know but what you do know is that when it comes to the last month week of the month and you see your bank balance quite small instead of tapping in to the investment you go i see you might not go out all night on saturday and sunday i might just go and you know watch the football at home 
and you do those little sacrifices towards the end of the month and then you get paid you put invest and you go and blow it on a night, good night out or something and treat yourself but it's it's the cycle way isn't it and it's the way of training yourself so if anyone is thinking how the hell are you meant to invest when we got no money we just invest 20 quid at the beginning of the month 50 quid at the beginning of the month yeah it's, it's priorities right? priorities I, I remember like yeah I, I was literally making myself skin straight away on payday same day the payment to go out and I'd instantly be skinned because I go, holy shit, for the next 30 days, I've only got this. I'd straight away have to budget from payday to the end. Yeah. Cause I, I would take out such a huge chunk. I was taking about 70% of my wages when I was not wealthy at all and putting it into, into investments straight away. Cause yeah, cause I heard the quote, which was, and um, poor people get paid, uh, spend the money they need to live and then invest what's left. Rich people get paid, invest what they need to invest, and then spend the rest on to live. Yeah, and and I think the, crit- the the critical point as well is because a lot of people will be like, oh no, but life for living, you don't know what's going to happen on the corner. You do have to plan for the future and future. We always say future time, future gods. We're very happy with this decision you've made now, providing you don't miss out on too many memories. We always say memories are more important than than a lot of investments at times. But you do need to get, think about getting out of the the rat race and obviously you've managed it um the things i missed out on when i really look back on it and go from the age of 25 to 35 i missed uh, that on a, porsche. a mortgage yeah a mortgage a pension and a couple of porsches mm-hmm. i they're the things i i could have paid into a pension could have bought a house stupidly and i could have um got a couple of porsches everyone used to ask me and my wages went up and up and up when you get in the Porsche, guys, you're still driving around your old Audi, or at the time, probably my Type R, so I hadn't got smashed into yet. But I, I, you know, I bought it when I was 23 or something, and I was yeah. probably 30, 32, 33, something like that. Still driving around the, the good old Type R, the little boy racer car, you know. And at that time, I was a director of the company. When you get in your Porsche, what, what, what are you doing? You know, there's there's low level, entry level kind of people got better cars than you now. I'm like, ah. I've got a plan. I'm not going to spend it on cars, you know. So, and then suddenly I, you know, essentially become financially free at 35. And now everyone doesn't. No one asks me about my Porsches anymore. Everyone just goes, "Oh, he's not like that." <laughs> That's not what he does, you know. He, I earned money to buy myself retirement. I knew how much money you need for each year, and every I was laser focused on getting to that number, and that was what that was my priority, and. I still live my life. I still went out loads, went on nice holidays, wore, wore, um, wore nice clothes. I didn't compromise on everything. I wasn't eating. I was eating steak every night. I lived a good life. I, I got my standard of living up to a level that I was happy with at about 25. And I just left it there for 10 years. I went, I'm not going above this limit. I don't need holidays that are worth 10, 20 grand. I don't need a car that's worth 100 grand. I don't need a suit that's worth five grand. I'm happy buying off the high street, going on relatively normal holidays, driving an, an all right car. It's still a nice car. People still liked my car, but it wasn't a banger or anything like that. And uh, and then and it all pays off. You go, oh, well, that money I was carving to one side, you invest it, make it work for you. And then you don't retire at 67, you retire at 35. And, uh, yeah. and you just do that by not being a baby. And I um, you know, on that note, I think I need to go to Starbucks. It's close. It's close. Actually, no, the worst thing you can do is Uber Eats to Starbucks. Oh, that's probably quite bad, isn't it? Pay like hey. three, three ninety nine to get a four pound cup of tea sent to you, which is cold. <laughs> you have to use the microwave anyway. Yeah, the tea bag won't even be even in it. Still, no, it'd be gross. Right, it's been decent. Um, you go and enjoy. <laughs> Catching your your wife to be in the chickens. Yeah, I see if she managed to get them in or she's running around on the fields trying to find a chicken. 